You're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that closely examines every episode of The Sopranos, one at a time. Welcome, team. Pada Bing, episode 1.5. I'm Vic. I'm Justin. I'm John. And Jimmy says, hello from hell, you fuck. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about the fifth episode in the first season, College, which is a landmark episode in television, not to mention The Sopranos, obviously. Uh, The air date on this show was February 7th, 1999. It was written by James Manos Jr. and David Chase, and it was directed by Alan Coulter. So the HBO synopsis is, during a trip to Maine for Meadows College interviews, Tony sees a man he believes is a relocated mob snitch. Back at home, Carmela receives comfort from Father Phil. This Chianti, though, is beyond reproach. Word up. Oh, Father Phil. So the only thing that I want to say right off the bat about this before we just dive in is that this episode was ranked number two all Mm -hmm. time. TV Guide, yeah. TV Guide. Of any TV show uh, ever. The only show that that beat it was Seinfeld. Well, Time Magazine considered it to be the best Sopranos episode ever. That's an amazing achievement when you actually think about it. Yeah, Edie Falco won won her first Emmy for this. And so did the writers, right? This episode gave David Chase carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. Yes. And it also, he's gone on record saying that it's one of his favorite episodes. I'll just start it right off the bat with the question, what made this episode so great. Well, I'm going to fire the question back. Does it have to be the best episode because everyone else said so? Is it your favorite? No. No. Not by a long shot. And I I think we were, I was thinking I was going to be the only one that was really, it's a good episode, but the best Sopranos episode ever. You know what, for me, made it not the best episode? I think there was a lack of characters. Lack of the crew. You see Chris in a little bit. You don't see too much of Paul. You don't see too much of Silvio. It really focuses on the relationship that Tony has with Meadow, the relationship Carmela has with Father Phil, and the relationship, or Tony's view on rats and what, what he thinks should happen to him. It was a standalone episode, yeah. which made it very different. and Like a short film. It could yeah. have been a movie. The, the premise alone would have made for an excellent blockbuster. The opening scene with Tony, the camera swirling around, great, very cinematic scene. Mm -hmm. It's mirrored again later on when Carmela and Father Phil are greeting each other in her doorway. Again, that's something that I don't remember seeing up until this point in the first four episodes. Just a very cinematic feel, like you're sort of setting the stage, almost felt like a play. Mm -hmm. The rain made it a very ominous, uh, consistent feel throughout. Yeah. So we all agree that it wasn't our favorite episode, but I think part of that for me is my bias that I just know the whole story and I just don't get like it won all the awards. TV Guide gave it number two episode of all time. I can think of at least three other ones that are just like, Easy. Well, another thing I would ask is, do you know when this TV Guide review came out? Like, had the show been completed? Mm, That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would be... I, I doubt feel like they would come out with a ranking of the definitive Sopranos episodes or best shows of episodes of all time. Unless it was done. Unless it was done and okay. they had the whole catalog to kind of take from. Yeah, I, mean, I enjoyed the main plot for the most part, but Tony just mm. happening to run across someone who testified against him was just a yeah. little too well, far-fetched. Yeah. Well, me. you know what? It, it doesn't advance the plot, but it builds characters and it strengthens your feeling on each person's interpersonal relationship that they have with each other. So like I said, Tony and Meadow, you really get to see more depth 
And obviously, Carmela and Father Phil, you could write a whole book on that relationship. Justin, are you in the Tony's a Good Dad Club? I am. We're two against one here. The one overarching thing in this episode was the relationship between Tony and his daughter. Yep. Right? Yeah, Fair? There was a lot of reveals. Barriers broken. Honesty. And I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know if this is going out on a limb or not, but I feel like Meadow, Jamie Lynn Sigler, she did a great job acting in this episode. Yes, yes. One of her less annoying Meadow episodes. But she was also, like, formidable. She was in the car with Tony, and then they were at a restaurant together, and she kind of held her own. Absolutely. Did you guys catch in the research that whenever they would come to do the table reads, there was a chair that Tony yes, sits in? Yes, And when Meadow, uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler came into the room, he said, this is your episode, yes. you sit here? How oh, cool is that? Yeah. yeah, one of the lines early on in the episode that I, I think set up the entire episode was... Are you in the mafia? Am I in the what? Whatever you want to call it, organized crime. She basically calls him out. She calls him out. And she's so tense. She's thinking about it. She's kind of like looking out the window, like, I'm actually going to go through with this. Yeah. What's going to happen? Is he going to lash out at me? Well, like, was- we've talked about the growth of characters, Meadow in particular. This is her becoming a woman. She's going to college and where a normal family may say, okay, I'm going to reveal some family secret. This one just happens to be a little bit larger. But I think because she's become a woman, she's going to college, she's everything that Tony wanted her to be and more, he puts his guard down a little bit and reveals some things that he wouldn't have in the past, even if if it was a little bit muddled. And she, in return reveals something to him as well. So they have this connective tissue that they she doesn't have with her mom and that he doesn't have with AJ. So one of the main takeaways is that in one episode, you realize how sympathetic and soft he is, but then on the flip side, how he can completely, without any emotion whatsoever or feeling remorse, he can take someone else's life yeah. and then deny it minutes later with his daughter. Accomplishing that in the scope of one episode is what's truly amazing because you see at the beginning of the episode, we see Tony spin around. You see the two sides mm-hmm. of his face and we'll talk about the Hawthorne quote at the end, but it was all just very eloquently done by the writers mm-hmm. to sort of show you Tony on this side with his daughter and then the ruthlessness. Yeah. And we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And now you know and did you guys, did you see that thing where the, the studio or the, yes. the powers that be didn't want yes. Tony to kill? HBO didn't want Tony to kill Fabian because they thought it would make him unlikable. David Chase disagreed and they finally allowed to give him creative control to make that decision. I think that this is one of the most important moments in television history because of that decision to give David Chase creative control. They basically allowed an anti-hero to exist. Killer protagonist. Yes. Yes. And because of that, we got the the modern golden era of TV from shows like Mad Men, The Shield, The Wire, Breaking Bad, of course. I think it set off a chain of events that led to where TV is now. The guy that wrote this episode with David Chase, James Manos, he's, he went on to create Dexter. Mm. And I never saw Dexter. My wife loved Dexter. You haven't seen Dexter? No. Did you watch Dexter? It's good for the first couple yeah. seasons, and then yeah. it, it takes a nosedive. Yeah. But it jumps again, the shark pretty hard. Killer protagonist was born in this episode. This episode yeah. allowed yes. Dexter to exist. Yeah, right. And Breaking Bad, and so forth. The modern antihero. Another thing I know, you mentioned rats and like what the mafia does to rats and what they think of rats. When they're talking about rats and getting caught in the downfall of the mafia, they always relate it to drugs. And Tony mentions that he was a made guy who flipped for peddling H. Yeah. Then he got kicked out of witness protection, but now he travels and gives lectures at colleges. How 
the fuck does nobody find this guy? How is this the way that he gets caught? Because Tony randomly sees him at a gas station. One in a million needle in a haystack scenario. Um, I feel like there's a list for people like, uh, what's his name, Fabian? I feel like there's a list for people like him and they they make it part of their business to hunt them down, right? right? No? Yeah, there's got to be a couple gold stars you'd get. Well, and remember how eager Chris is to whack the guy. Clipping a famous rat would put me a cunt hair away from being made. Because he knows killing someone yeah. like this is fodder for being this made. This is guy. a high value target. Well, yeah, well so the books gonna, are closed, John. Well. Why wouldn't T let Christopher take out Fabian? What was going on there? Chris wanted to do it. Tony could have had his hands clean. He would have not been implicated. Why did he resist letting Christopher? From what I took from it, Tony said a line about my old man was sick because of it. When he's talking about old man, I don't know if he means his father or if he's talking about the boss who they always refer to. He was as referring to his father being his sick. Father it, being there wasn't a personal attachment. Yeah. It was something that he wanted to make sure, and then he got some satisfaction. And I think you see. Yeah. As a result, it could have been something where he could have done it really quickly, but he made it very personal, uh, even the type of death that he had done. Did you catch the subtlety? I tried to watch it again. I might have missed it. It's super subtle, but a light bulb went off in Tony's head. Tony wanted to confirm. He needed to confirm that this guy was who he thought he was. When he finally gets to his little travels, whatever, boutique, whatever you want to call it, he sees a Reagan bus statue, and that tips Tony that it's the right guy. Hello, Red. What's the connection between Reagan and Fabian? So it wasn't it wasn't Reagan. It was the woodworking. Uh, yeah, he but references, the, it was a bust of Reagan. The it was statue a, was a, it was a wooden carving of Ronald Reagan. But was it Frank Sinatra? Mm, it was Reagan. I checked that. That's For, what they referred to earlier on when Tony's on the phone with Christopher. Matter of fact, you know that bust that was in his rec room with Sinatra. Fabian made it for him at a prison workshop. That was Frank. That bust. I always thought it was Shaquille. Fucking needs to practice a little on lips. Yeah, I know. So then there was a bust in that office. Uh-huh. The fact that there was a bust the in there. The fact that there was a bust Reagan, at all. There's no connection to Reagan. Exactly. Okay, I got it. Because I was like, wait a minute. How does he know? Because you know when Tony gives that little grin, yeah. you yeah. know that he's onto yeah. something? It, it was the, there would be no coincidence that this guy looks like that guy. And he also has got his uh, really bad wood carving of something. And it, his name is Fred Peters, Fabian yeah. Petrullio. It's we, the same we grin that he this gives. meme today and weren't sure if it was going to resonate with the audience because it's a very obscure moment. But so that's a a wood carving of Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, I got it. You had answered my question, but it might be good just to develop on the air. But my initial question was, why didn't this guy call the FBI? I know he had been kicked out of witness protection. How do you get kicked but, out? Right. Larger question. Well, and then he also tries to have hitmen kill oh Tony. So I'm assuming he's not doing something completely legal out where he is. And there are random hitmen just hanging around in Maine, too? Well, they yeah. weren't hitmen. They were, they were, <laughs> they were methods, that he, were methods. Sell, oh. that he would sell drugs to, and he would try to sell drugs in exchange for, uh, for wet work. Yeah. Or the question of why didn't he, why didn't he shoot him when he could have? Yes! To me, that's a very problematic part of it. Obviously, from a very practical standpoint, if you shoot and kill Tony Soprano, the show's over. But it was a clear line of sight. There was a lot of time. And if you're in the thing, if you're in the if you're in the mafia, you're not going to be afraid by some bystander. Preservation is so important. And, and, that, and those two, like... Witnesses. They probably didn't have their hearing aids in. There were so many things about it that, like, if, if Tony Blundetto had been there, yeah. it would have been a done deal. Well, I think the difference was... And it's kind of shown with the line that Tony says at the very end when he's choking him out, where he says, You know, one thing about us wise guys, the hustle never ends. Tony is 
in this thing of theirs while Fabian is not. And he's not a true mafioso. He's not That's really one of them. Yeah. And he, he, he doesn't have the stomach for it. Whereas Tony... I don't is, know. I mean, you, you can't take the mafia out of the mobster. Well, and, that's, that's and why he still carries. Hunting. You and that's why he was still him. hunting. He was hunting just as much as Tony was. Yeah. He found Tony first with the clipboard. He saw the names. He called him Teddy Soprano. Who are you? What is this? Don't make me laugh. You pimp. You fuck. Teddy, there must be something we could do. Tony. It's Tony, you fuck. You know how much trouble you're in now? You took an oath and you broke it. <laughs> Which yeah. is really funny. He immediately went into a, a survival mode yeah. and, and became a professional, just like yeah. Tony did, even with Meadow in the car. Dad! Jesus, what's with you? It's all right. Fucking maniac! What's going on? Just fooling around. I, I saw a really big connection with Fabian to Henry Hill from Goodfellas. How? Well, he was a, a rat who went into witness protection program and he went on college tours and he spoke and he spoke out. He went on talk shows. He spoke out all the time and nothing ever happened to him. I think he died of a heart attack. So he made it to he the other side. Through. Yeah, he made it through. Is that sort of a, a survival method of someone that does break the code of silence is to become so transparent? I read a book, like you hear about stories of guys that infiltrated... Um, the uh, Hell's Angels. Yeah. And then they wrote a book and they yeah. did this and that. Does giving you that celebrity give you some sort of protection? As well, it makes it interesting to, like, obviously you're in demand. And if you, there's like a moneyed interest that's supporting that, they're going to protect you to the extent they can. But or I if still, you do die, they know then it must have been it those must people have been that you're that. implicating. But the other flip side of that is, is like to go on speaking tours. If you were a made guy, he was a made guy, right? Fabian. That's, that yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. He, he said so, he was a made guy who so flipped for Pedaling H. To go on tour means you're putting yourself out there whereas I don't know and this is just me talking but if I knew that I would have a whole army of people hunting me down I'd want to like hide in obscurity I wouldn't want to be putting myself out there and I think that goes back to when we've talked about could this show have happened in present day and with the advent of Google and the internet I think it would be hard for you to avoid the mob, but yeah. also talk about them on college tours. But and at the same time, I think you can protect yourself. There's there's YouTube and live broadcasting, and if somebody's about to pull a gun on you, you just whip out your phone and say, hey, you're live on, on Instagram. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You could do like a Facebook Live assassination yeah, attempt. Right. <laughs> So yeah, the, the assassination attempt kind of bothered me. Look, it's great TV because you see the barrel of the gun and you see, is he going to shoot? Is he not going to shoot? From a formula standpoint, it's great. But as serious and as like perfect as the show was in general, the two things that bothered me about this episode were the fact that why even have that scene where he's in like plain view? It wasn't even like he had like he didn't have a good shot. He had a perfect shot with a gigantic cartoon yeah. gun. And then the second thing was I didn't agree with the kill scene. What did you guys make of that? Like, why did Tony do it with, with it was personal. electrical wire? It was personal. It was, it was a very yeah. intimate way to kill yeah. somebody. Why get your hands dirty though? Kind of thing. Like he, I guess, makes it more visceral. Yeah. Well, the, I think it's the same reason he didn't want Chris to do it because he wanted to personally do. It. This was a really personal, intimate way to off a guy. He doesn't want to do it from a distance. He wants to look him in his eye or, you know, even though he took him from the back, he still wanted to be there up close and just take care of it himself. And kind of ballsy. He doesn't know the lay of the land. Yeah. He doesn't know where he is. That guy could have had ambushes. First of all, if I'm an ex-made guy and I suspect that a head of a family's hunting me down, aren't you going to set up some booby traps or decoys? 
Well, Again, that's, this that's is like, where this is, the writing from David Chase sort of interjects this animal theme, too, because yeah. it's a deer that uh, creates a noise that distracts him, and then he capitalizes on that. And then you see the birds. You just segued Ranch. into that. Let me yeah. ask the question. What did the duck symbolize moments after he kills Fabian? Few, were they ducks or were they? Let's say they were ducks. I'm going to call them ducks. <laughs> they were flying animals. So what is that? What does that mean to you, John? What did the ducks mean? Was it coincidence? Is there some sort of symbolism happening there? I, uh, I don't really know. I, I know... That for some reason, in the episodes that we've seen before, there's an emphasis with animals, and without giving anything away, you're going to see this again. And um, I, I imagine that as that was Tony's view, and Tony noticed it. And we're we're peeking into Tony after the fact. He he notices. I mean, the the deer thing was a reaction, but then to notice the birds, I think we were looking through Tony's eyes. So to me, I see it as. It's the tie back to his family because the ducks are the family and mm-hmm. the ducks are leaving and Meadow's going to college. Uh, it might be too much of a stretch, but I really wanted to try to get some sort of closure on it because he goes from killing in cold blood to this sort of beautiful nature moment with the ducks. And I just can't, I can't reconcile it. And That's so I, the, what the whole episode's about. The one family, his blood family and his, this thing of ours family yeah. is going back and forth. Fabian to Meadow, Fabian to Meadow. Before we talk about Carmela and Father Phil, which, as we know, in this episode, the show basically parallels these two storylines. But at the end, there's a quote. Uh, Tony's waiting outside Bowdoin while his daughter goes in. And the quote from Nathaniel Hawthorne, who apparently, as we learn in the shows, He's our most famous alumnus. Is that no man can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be true. And you see Tony read that sign. You hear a voiceover of some student letting him know that it's from his, the most famous alumni. But then you see Tony's face kind of just crumble, like almost like sand. Again, without getting too philosophical and too serious and sticky, like, I thought that was beautiful. And I kind of understood why the show, this episode in particular, had as much power as it did because you just saw the two faces of Tony beautifully illustrated. That is the Um, Sopranos. The two Tonys. What did you take away from that quote? What did you take away from that moment? I I 100% agree. I think it's going over the fact that Tony doesn't really know who he is or how he's going to present himself. On, On the one hand, he's a family man and we, you know, Vic and I think that he's a good father and a good family man. And on the other hand, he's this cold-blooded killer, someone who's ruthless, someone who even when somebody says, I didn't kill you because I saw you with your daughter, have some mercy on me, shows no mercy, even though in the previous scene, he sees Fabian with his wife and daughter having loving moments. He's someone who doesn't care about that because he, he knows what's important to him on that side of his life. So I, I think that it's really telling. And and as we watch the series and go on, I think it's really foreshadowing because Tony kind of loses track of who he is. One vote in favor of Tony's not a great father, this is for John, is that he he leaves, he tries to get away from Meadow. Like he's not he's not in the moment with her at mm-hmm. the college on the college tour. Once he finds out something about Fabian, he fixates on that. He's detached from the scenario, detached from the college experience and the college tour. So I guess one one straw in your favor there. Yeah, this episode surrounding their relationship obviously scores him some points. But uh, will he get a Father's Day uh, card from me this year? I don't know. There was a phone call that Tony makes to Irina. Remember mm, that? The payphone? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, great scene, right? 
You know the deal. I got two kids high school age. Now, we talked about this. Yes, a new wife, whenever you want. What do I have in my life? Boy, am I glad I called. Fuck you, then. We learn a lot. We learn three things about... We learn... We know that the relationship is spiraling down, which is going to become very important, and we learn about Svetlana, which I thought... Which I, I never paid attention yeah. to, but now, for obvious reasons, we know going forward that she's a, this, she's a key figure in the show, yes. especially with the marriage between Carmela and Tony. Fell off in a gap store, and he carries her out like a knight in a white satin armor. I gotta go. Uh, my daughter's covered. I love any attempt in translating American, American euphemisms yeah. and yeah. things of that nature. It's great. It accomplishes three things in less than 30 seconds, and I thought that was a great thing. I just wanted to get that out before I forget. So um, let's rewind the episode now. What is going on with Father Phil and Carmela? I keep going back to this reminds me of, hey, my parents are gone, come over, and, and it's two teenagers that are meeting up in the darkness for movies and drinking alcohol that they probably shouldn't. There's just a, there's a ton of Yeah, it's like my tension. parents are gone, come over. I can't, I'm sick. I have now, an Emma Thompson movie. To that question, it starts with uh, Carmela being sick and AJ makes some of the finest poached eggs, but she sends him away. Those, that wasn't a poached egg, by the way. That was, well, a, that was, that was a boiled egg. That was a boiled egg. Yeah, it, it didn't look too hot. But was she? this is my question. Was she really sick? Or did she play that to AJ to get him out of the house? Interesting. Or was I, she sick with regret? Oh. I like option A better because yeah. when the doorbell rang, she went and, like, spritzed up. Mm-hmm. You know, she put some, I don't know what she did, but she clearly went in front of a mirror to check herself out before opening the door for a priest, which is one thing I want to say without giving too much away about the mm-hmm. show. This is a common theme for Carmela, right? She, the men outside of Tony in her life, she has a history of dolling herself up for. Yeah. Um, whether or not there's a romantic connection. Yeah. She she makes a point to look good, presentable, for presentable the for yeah. the world, and especially she's the, men. Yeah, and she's the one that goes after them. Yeah, even though she's somewhat pursued on both sides, she's the one that takes the initiative every time, every single time. Yeah. And then she plays it down with the you know I have a confession. Yeah. Well, let me just bring up a point. So in the first episode in the pilot, Father Phil was a completely different person. Yeah. Right. And as as the series progresses, and I think it's in the immediate next episode he's he's in it, he's recast as somebody a little bit more effeminate. I think that was a conscious decision, and Tony is always making reference to him potentially being gay. Do you think that that's somewhat in play? Because as we as we know, he never really goes that extra step. Yeah. Do you think he's manipulating the women just for food? Or for material objects? No, I in Catholicism, when you're a priest, you're taking a vow of celibacy. And yeah. he even, uh, there's a reference he makes because she goes, Father Phil, I didn't know you looked. What? To take in through the eyes a beautiful woman? Is that so different than a sunset? A Douglas fir? Or any of God's handiwork? So I think he he's struggling with. I mean, I'm I'm on the the table of if he hadn't had too much wine, there may have been some smooching. Well, one, let's not pretend like there's no gay priest. So hey, and I went to Catholic school, yeah. so I can attest to both ends of it. Meaning that there are gay priests, a and b, they do appreciate beauty and they do and they do feel tested but, a lot. But the way that he kind of explains his 
his view and his take on beauty. I don't think that there's anything sexual there. I think he relates it to a sunset. He relates it to an inanimate object, something that he doesn't have too much passion for. She's turned on by that because what he's saying is is. what he's saying is very romantic. Yeah, her eyes light up. But I think I think he is. um, And if I remember this correctly, just remembering him throughout the show, he is a man of God, and uh, he is also driven by his stomach. Like, well, he's driven by. I think he's a user. Yeah, he uses. Her for her house, for, as we see later on, material possessions from different wives, not to give too much away. Yeah. Uh, He's food, obviously, is the the first thing you think about when he has a Jones in very, very interesting use of that word. I have a confession. He he enjoys developing this relationship. And and at the purity, I, I think he just enjoys Carmela's company. I don't think everyone that attends his church is probably as open to inviting him over, uh, and they interacting, don't have the, they watching. They don't have the means and resources that they do. Yeah. So he's um, around a powerful person. It's always nice to have a mob boss in your mm, back pocket. Yeah, but I, yeah, I struggle with really knowing his intentions. But the the one thing is, he does say he he didn't remember anything from that night. The next morning, last night. Yeah. We didn't do anything out of line. There's nothing to apologize about. Right. That's right. Oh, I should get dressed. She was kind of mad. Yeah. Why was she mad? I, does she want? Does she want to hook up? Oh, she absolutely did. She leans in for a kiss, and what's his response? He went and threw up. Yeah, which, again, uh, thank you for pointing that out. That was the best way to get out of that situation, to write out... So, like, so do you think that he was actually sick and went to throw up? He was hammered. Or yeah. did he just play that off? Did you see him before he gives her the uh, Eucharist? Yeah. He slams another glass. <laughs> yeah, he drank all of it. And Look. just the her on her knees and him standing over yeah. her. And it was a very... It was dark. Yeah. It, it made me uncomfortable more than anything. But that's the success of it, right? Yeah. Because you're watching it and you're feeling tense and you're feeling, oh, what's going to happen? And uh, if you're creating the show, that's exactly what you want. So so something that's interesting, keeping on the, the fact of being drunk. Being drunk saves both of the main storylines in the show. Yeah. In that episode. <laughs> you're it, talking about Meadow. Uh, Cuervo, Meadow, yeah. Yeah, it saves, it saves Tony because... Meadow's drunk and he's taking care of her and walking her back and that's when Fabian decides not to take him out and it saves Carmella from committing adultery because he goes and throws up. Yeah. Moral of the story? Drink up. To wind it up to the end, Tony and Carmella have an encounter. The priest spent the night here. Nothing happened. You might hear something. Take it the wrong way. His car was out front all night. You know what? This is too fucked up for me even to think about. Tony's like shocked and appalled that there was a man that slept over at his house and he's convinced that he's gay, like you said, because nothing happened. But then uh, Carmela slips this thing that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. I think it was one of the questions I had for you guys. Why didn't Tony tell her that Melfi was a woman? Yeah. I thought that was a great ending because it shows, what do we see? We see Tony basically sliding across the wooden floor in his socks trying to appease his wife and he can kill a man in cold blood. He can run a family, but... He cannot control his own household. Carmella yeah. owns him. Well, he he found it humorous. He said something to the effect of, oh... He... What'd you guys do for 12 hours? Play, uh, name that pope? He gave me communion. Oh, I'll bet he gave you communion. Excuse me? Well, Carmella, the guy spends the night here with you, and all he does is slip you a wafer? 
he seemed non-threatened by it. No. But wanted to jab her because that's all he had. Or yeah. He actually, he says that before she digs him with the Melfi info. Melfi yeah. was the yeah. last word she had, and then she goes upstairs. And then, he, again, this is a testament to the acting. It's amazing. Mm. He had this aggressive, kind of like fiery, concerned face. But as soon as she said she, his face, like all the muscles on his face fall. Well, taking a step back, when the initial call occurs and Melfi is talking to Carmela and she finally realizes that this therapist who she thought was a man the entire time is a woman. Jennifer. Lovely name. No, he's not home. Could I impose on you to, uh, to tell him that I need to reschedule Monday's appointment? I'm down with the flu. Does he have your number, Jennifer? Let me give it to you just in case. I lost my pencil up his ass. Do you think that that's what gives Carmela the green light to cheat? Yeah, for sure. It gives her... Is revenge at play? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Then the movie they watched, The Remains of the Day, mm. is a movie about, like, unfulfilled love. Huh. So that's just like the plot. Yeah. And they happen to be watching it at the same time. And then she says, I can't take it anymore. Turn it off. Wow. It's all sort of like... The beats leading up to that. The beats leading yeah, up to that yeah. are just... Are, it's like, it's too perfect. It, uh, it's subtle and it's yeah. nuanced. But if you go back and you dissect it like we are, that's mm. exactly what you come up with. And going back to the question of whether Carmelo was sick... If she, because Melfi called and said she needed to change because she was sick, do you think Carmela thinks that Tony gave her or passed along this sickness A that virus, they both have? The, they're the kissing disease, the mono was passed or something? You know what? Wow. That's really good. That's really amazing. Yeah. That's it. For me, for a minute there with her eyes, because I hadn't seen the episode in a while, I thought that she thought that. Melfi was one of the Gumars, mm. one of the, she wasn't really a, uh, the therapist, that she was one mm. of the women that was calling because the tone in her voice and then when when she was talking to her, she wasn't talking to her as if it was somebody that was like legitimately calling for Tony. She was talking to somebody who is not supposed to be calling the house line. But then she she flips the script and tells Father Phil that this is my husband's therapist yeah. and why didn't he tell me? But you get the feeling that because we see, we'll see this again in the future. Again, we're not without giving everything away. You're going to see that she flips out on the phone on multiple occasions. We forgot about the real question. Could you pass the cheese? Not that he didn't do a good job, Willem Dafoe, but the story's confusing. So he gets down off the cross? Mm. You know, originally Bobby D was supposed to have that role. Really? Mm-hmm. Oof. Different picture. Well, totally. Would Bobby D have been a better Jesus? <laughs> it would have been a different picture. It would have been a different picture. Um, have you guys seen that movie? I haven't. I, I haven't, haven't seen that movie no, either. No. Jesus, it's called Jesus Christ Superstar, no, they didn't right? Showed it in Hebrew school for me. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not kosher for the Catholics either <laughs> because it's basically yeah the Bobby De Niro and the the constant throwback. I like that. It humanizes the show. You know, these are people, real people in the real world, and and we're just like windows on the wall. Did you guys have any other questions? I've got some fun stuff. Yeah, let's do um, it. So, as always, I do the the deep dive, and I don't want to weigh on continuity, but this one was pretty funny. There's going to be spoofs in any television show or movie, and somebody is always out there to do it. But this one in particular was just funny to me because it's the uh, during the conversation between Tony and Meadow over dinner at the restaurant, the bra strap on Meadow's right shoulder appears and then disappears. And I, I was thinking, like, only some 15-year-old boy in 1999 <laughs> would have had such an obsession with Meadow to notice such a goof. It was just, it was outrageous to me. It must have been multiple takes, right? They did, they did <sighs> I the guess, yeah. Um, she also doesn't look like a senior in high school to me. I'm also just an old bear now. Yeah. But she looked young. 
Well, it was those weeks of uh, speed that aged her. Well, I guess it would <laughs> you be think she looks older? Or you think she yeah. looks young? She looked younger. She looked young. young for a high school senior. I remember being much older looking, but I don't know. What do I know? Right? I, that was one. That was one observation. She just seems so little, and but that's also place and time. Mm. And then uh, what else? I I went ahead and I watched the next episode as well. Just I do. I just I tend to do that now. It's hard not to. It's hard not to because it just it just sucks you in, right? Once pa- you see that HBO go. Play next in five, four, three, two, one. How do you X out? How do you X out of that? Far more. No. What's the word? Disciplined. Disciplined (laughs) than you two because. I'm going to watch the episode for the first time tomorrow. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, so I don't take notes the first time through. I watch it the first time through to just like, it's like a like I'm a vampire. I'm drinking the blood. And then the second time is when I go back with the notes because the first time I want to like appreciate it again because mm-hmm. this, I mean, th- we're doing this whole project, but I, there's a pretty good chance I'm not going to watch the whole thing all over again yeah. for a long time. So it's it's almost like taking it in, uh, you know, like it's like a spiritual thing, man. Yeah. We thought it might be fun to take uh, each week the title of the episode and put our own spin if we wanted to change the title. you have anything, Justin? Yeah. Mine would be The Last Temptation. I had two. Mine was uh, Murder, Almost Adultery, and Too Much Tequila. (laughs) And the second one was Tony Kills a Shitty Woodworker. (laughs) (laughs) There's this technology out there where if we take all of the words from all of the episode titles and you dump them into this, I guess, app, It'll garble them all together, and then they'll basically it'll it's like a name generator. It'll spit out a title for you based on the inputs that you give it. And when you guys started this, I just thought of that. Like, what would happen if you like, you know? Who put that in right now? Yeah. Well, I'll find out what it is. I know for a fact that the West Wing has a West Wing title generator because their titles are very specific and almost unique to them. And and there's a there's got to be a Sopranos episode title generator. Um, Do you so, have any quotes that you liked? No, I didn't. The, are you in the mafia? Is like the classic. Yeah, are you yeah. in the mafia? Is like a tattoo quote right there mm-hmm. because he admits that some of his money is from illegal gambling mm-hmm. and other sources. Do you think that? Uh, Meadow believes him yeah. when he talks about the extent of his operation. She does say he's mealy-mouthing. I've never really heard that term before. She's a smart girl, man. Yeah, she she's, is. She's Columbia she, material. She, she got a really good SAT score. I don't know why matter. she's looking at all these podunk schools when we know where she's going to end up. But hey, no, don't get me wrong. Now, Bowdoin is actually a really, really good school. So that's... Uh, Hotline <laughs> Bing's going to get so many angry oh, phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> I just found some stuff in my back notes. A couple years ago... TV Guide named this the second best TV show. Yeah. I would imagine that implies that it was... Done. And we yeah, can, yeah, we yeah, can look more. So we'll, 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 sure we'll, we'll check sure on it, it for next week. But uh, yeah, there, if they gave it to the totality of the show, then I would definitely question that decision. It's a great yeah. episode. Look, I love it. The, the, it's it's the best episode so far in the in the show for me. You out know of what? The first five. I think that this conversation has changed my mind. Now I, I like it. Yeah. After this talk. And man, it's smartly executed. That that Hawthorne quote at the end, that was deep. That was like an intellectual muscle flex. Yeah, it's putting a stamp on the forehead of the HBO executives. Yeah. Saying this trust is me. what I'm trying to do. See, yes. Trust me. Yes. Just do your thing and let me do yeah. my thing. Amen. Yeah. You got it down. Yeah, it was uh, the Sopranos would do a lot of episodes as good as college. Uh, it would stretch its creativity in new and different directions uh, as the series went on. But I don't know that it would do a better. It's close. It's it's up there in my top three. Do you have, we don't have to talk about the episode, but we'll obviously get to it when it happens, but I'm, I already know that my favorite episode on the top of my head. Do you know the name of your favorite episode? Absolutely. I yeah. think we're all Justin, in what's yours? Pine Barrens. Pine, oh, that's a good one. That's, yeah. That wasn't mine, but hmm. what about you, yeah, John? It, it, it's fodder for a lot of meme content, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's Pine Barrens. So mine's Whitecaps. 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 I, I just love the, yeah. the finale of season four. It's but true. Kevin Finnery 
episode yeah. is that's really... One of, that's one of the ones I don't I like. like. I don't like the ones that are too metaphorical, where yeah. you don't really know what's going on. They're the ones that kind of like get you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. maybe and that, that any says episode a little bit about Ciferetto. me. When this those start happening, yeah. man, I'm fanboy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, get to all those episodes in time. It's been real, guys. Next week, we will talk about episode six, Pac Soprana. Once again, signing out, I'm Vic. I'm Justin. And I'm John. (laughs) 